and welcome to the Ground and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Estenson-Williams. I'm a Minnesota-based marriage and family therapist, yoga teacher, and I create mental health content to help you ground and grow. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's begin. podcast episode, I will have my first guest on here. So Bridget, thank you for being willing to be my little guinea pig on here and joining to share some really lovely information. Um, So I'll let Bridget fully introduce herself and everything, but she is a really good friend of mine that I met in grad school. She's a fellow therapist who just started her own practice. So we thought it was a nice time to do a joint podcast episode together, and we are going to talk about perfectionism in parenting and how that shows up um, for kiddos these days, and Bridget works with a lot of kids, so she'll have some great information. So Bridget, I'll hand it over to you to just kind of introduce yourself, who you work with, some things like that. Great. Thank you so much for letting me join your lovely podcast. And I'm super excited. This is actually my first time ever doing a podcast. So it's exciting to start this or, yeah, try it out. Um, And like Kayla kind of said, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist practicing in Minnesota Um, And recently started my own practice. It's called Grow and Thrive Therapy. So it's been really exciting to start that journey. Um, And yeah, I really enjoy working with children and adolescents and as well as um, integrating uh, that parent support based on the developmental age of the child or teen um, and doing that collaboratively. Um, and I would say like some of my areas of focus, I really enjoy working with anxiety, self-esteem and relationship difficulties for kids and teens. So that's a little bit about me (laughs) and my work. Yay! (laughs) And I am so excited that you have started your own practice because now you finally have some openings so I can send people your way (laughs) because you're someone I always, um, want to refer people to because you do such amazing work with kids. So I'm really excited for you in your new venture this year. Right. And you've been my cheerleader and my, one of my <laughs> biggest support people throughout this process. And so I know I've been coming to you for lots of questions and how to do this work. And it's been so helpful. So, <laughs> yes. and it's been very, very fun on, on my end to see that too. Yeah. Yes. All right. So now we'll kind of dive into, yeah, talking about this perfectionism in parenting and, and really get a feel for what you see in that and what can be helpful. So my first question for this is like, what what is perfectionism in parenting? What does that look like? What do you see in that area for parents? Yeah, and this can show up in a number of different ways. I think kind of the ways I see a lot of it showing up is putting lots of pressure and expectations on uh, how your child is doing, whether it's through school or through sports Mm -hmm. or other activities and kind of this, you know, expectation or pressure for your child or teen to do really well and seeing how that maybe somehow reflects on how a parent feels about themselves. (laughs) And so their child or teen with their abilities or what they're achieving. And then that is how I look as a parent. 
Um, And so, yeah, and that can be, you know, really tough. And I enjoy then in supporting parents and recognizing that. And, um, you know, there is no such thing as a perfect parent. (laughs) I know, I know we say those things and we hear that phrase come up, but I think, you know, to continue to revisit that and see, um, how maybe that shows up in some different areas and to bring that awareness. Um, I know it's easier said than done to say that there's no such thing as a perfect parent. (laughs) Yes. Right. We can, we can say that. And right. There's like so many different phrases in like therapy and mental health that we can just put out, but to really sit with that and look at like, okay, how is that showing up for me? And Mm -hmm. I love how you highlighted there of, it's not just this expectation that they have on their kids for their kids' sake, but a lot of times they might have their own stuff showing up that it feels like, oh, right. if my kid isn't doing this or that, it feels like this reflection on me. And so mm-hmm. kind of working through that is so much more than just how do I parent, but it's like, ooh, what are the like things or messages mm-hmm. or lessons that make it really hard mm-hmm. for me to have some flexibility as a parent myself? Mm-hmm. I think it's important to look for certain phrases that maybe can be going through your head or statements that come up, you know, like I'm doing something that won't be good for my child or, oh my gosh, I've totally screwed up there. <laughs> it's doomed. Yes. And, <laughs> right. um, you know, and those kinds of things, you know, being okay with making mistakes and learning through that journey of being a parent. And it's like I said, it's okay to make those mistakes sometimes. Totally right. And and what we see with perfectionism in so many different ways is usually the root of it is like this really like lovely intention of like, Oh, Hey, I want to do a really good job at this. This is so important for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and yet right then we get so rigid with ourselves and and, right in parenting that can just get really tough. Um, So some, some good pieces to look at there for parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And kind of a follow up question with that is right. So we're entering year three of a pandemic, which has for, for everyone kind of turned, turned Mm -hmm. life upside down in some ways um, makes things a whole lot more challenging. And I know like for myself as an adult, right? I've had to shift my own expectations for myself and give myself some extra flexibility and stuff. Um, so I'm curious, like in your work over these last couple years in the pandemic, are there any specific things that you've seen show up for perfectionism in parenting and like just struggling with that adjustment, as well as just kind of what what are your thoughts in terms of what healthy flexibility looks like in this time? Because everyone's entering this for the first time in their lives, most likely, right? Right. Yeah. I I like to use a phrase and this is actually from Brene Brown's podcast where she calls something like the terrible, terrible first times, like you Mm. name that we have never been through something like this before. And so it's totally okay for parents and kids to, you know, be trying to figure this out. And it's been a really stressful time. Um, And you know, over the past few years throughout the pandemic, you know, as kids and teens have been trying to navigate distance learning, 
parents are still working full-time jobs. And so then parents continued to have like similar expectations with the academic performance or to be, you know, constantly engaged in things. And, you know, it was really, you know, interesting to see like that, that pressure was still there. And so we had to kind of really do a lot of work on being flexible and reframing and um, recognizing that the same level of expectations we had or performances um, aren't going to be what we should be holding during this time. Um, and so I, I really saw, you know, parents putting a lot of pressure on themselves, um, you know, if getting homework assignments done or, and maybe, you know, whether that was coming from internally or, you know, sometimes teachers giving feedback of, <laughs> yes. you know, like, let's, let's make sure that they're getting their assignments done. And, you know, then the parents would feel this pressure to not only just parent their child, but also take on the role of being the teacher as well. Right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what an adjustment and a whole new thing to take on. Yes. Yeah. And I found when I pointed that out to parents and explained to them, you know, you've got a lot on your plate right now and it's okay to set some boundaries, like to give that feedback to teachers, like, Hey, you know, I'm working a full-time job. We're doing our best over here, (laughs) you know? And so it feels more of that team approach versus feeling like I feel bad as a parent. My child isn't doing what they normally have been able to do, but looking at like how the distance learning was some kids and teens really like the distance learning. Others mm-hmm. were not a big fan <laughs> of it. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, so right. I think it was just helping parents learn to be gentle with themselves and taking okay. each day, one day at a time and, um, you know, doing what you can with what's on your plate. <laughs> right. Yes. And another thing, right, like so much easier said than done, but it sounds like really just practicing flexibility and acceptance of yourself as well as your kid, right? Knowing that like, hey, this, this is a first for them. And right, especially, I mean, really at any age, but gosh, I can imagine for young kiddos, how tough that is, right? They might not even be so used to school yet. And now they've got to change up what that looks like. Um, and so accepting mm-hmm. like, yeah, we need some more flexibility here for my kiddo, but for myself as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just a tough practice. Yeah. Lots of, lots of opportunities to practice that at this time. Right. I think there'd be, you know, specifically for my clients, my children, the children and teens that I would work with mm-hmm. and be so being so hard on themselves with, not being the student that they used to be and 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 then I would kind of try to convey that message for parents as well that this is not necessarily who they are as a student when we aren't in you know a learning environment that a school can provide necessarily and so totally yeah like really zooming out and looking at the big picture of like 
Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. This isn't the forever picture. Like this is right now picture, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which involves a lot of change and a lot of uncertainty. And oh, it's mm-hmm. it's been tough, mm-hmm. right, for, for us all. Yeah. And yeah, I can imagine mm-hmm. for parents and kids and teens in school, it's not an easy adjustment. Mm-hmm. Now I'm kind of seeing a shift too with now that activities and sports and right. academics are more in play and yep. <laughs> now we're relearning how to get back to yes. <laughs> juggling oh. lots of different things now. Totally. <laughs> a whole new adjustment. And like, even if that was previously the norm, it hasn't been the norm for a long time. So I think it's mm-hmm. just normal to to really look at that and be like, this is an adjustment. Even if we've been here before with having busier schedules, we are relearning to do that. And we're doing that in a world that still has a little extra uncertainty, which makes it a little more mm-hmm. challenging. Yeah, definitely. I think... One of the beautiful things that has been really nice to see are some of like the new rituals and connections. So granted, there have been the stressors with the uncertainty and trying to navigate distance learning, all the factors with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but there have been also these new opportunities for parents to connect more with their kids and some more of that family and quality time and it's been really a joy seeing some of those things come up as well I love that yes and like what a beautiful (laughs) practice of like taking this like really unfortunate situation and adjustment and kind of looking at like all right like what change do I really want to bring in here um and I know that's tough but I'm sure so beautiful to get to see that both with the parents you work with and the kids that you work with too Mm hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that's another big piece with the perfectionism is what do I need to change? What can I improve? Right. Whereas then we can take some time to recognize and appreciate some of these good things that we've been able to cultivate as a family or as a parent. And oh, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Oh, how beautiful. And so, so with that, right, whether it be pandemic related or even just kind of, you know, normal for kids, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, as you work with kids and teens, what does healthy dysregulation look like, like normal dysregulation? Because I know one thing you and I have talked about in perfectionism and parenting is, right, it, from a very good place, but parents, you know, may be getting very worried or very concerned if their kiddo is having a tough time with an emotion and how normal that can be. So yeah, I'm curious from your perspective, what does that normal dysregulation look like? What a good question (laughs) and one that I hear a lot of in my work. I bet, I bet. Yeah, yeah. And Good and a good question to explore or figure out because as parents are considering bringing their child in for therapy or if they've been in therapy um, for a while, it can almost I, you know ha- be helpful to have these reminders that it is normal to have some dysregulation. <laughs> yes, totally. And in order for children and teens to learn how to regulate, they have to go through 
some of that dysregulation, to understand what it feels like to have big feelings come up, mm-hmm. um, to learn to practice these coping strategies, um, to have yeah. that parent help them through that. Right. Um, and then, because then in the end, we're, we're helping them build that resiliency. Yeah. Um, so when they are facing more challenges on their own, they're able to navigate through that and totally. recognize those signs. And so right. it's, it can, it all depends on really the developmental age of the child or teen to kind of gauge what normal dysregulation looks like. Mm-hmm. But what we hope to see as a child grows and develops that they learn these skills kind of like building or going up a ladder. You know, it's, yeah. um, you know, younger kiddos like toddler age might have more frequent tantrums or emotional outbursts. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that dysregulation is a way for them to communicate their needs. Um, Because they don't have language and other pieces to communicate what they're feeling or what they need yet. (laughs) Right. They're still in the process of learning to label and name their emotions. Um, And so that it's normal for that then to happen more frequent, frequently, because that's how they convey what what they need, like I said before. And so hopefully then as, you know, they begin to enter school and they learn these skills more to name their emotions and probably still get some assistance through those coping strategies. But Mm -hmm. um, we look for them to be able to build upon those skills then. Right. Yes. And such a great point to notice, like, hey, at different developmental stages in your kid's life, it is going to shift and change, right? When they're younger, they don't even have the possibility of having these skills to process and cope with emotions on their own. So that's going to be something that does come out more in like what looks like a tantrum Mm -hmm. or dysregulation or something. Right. I would even say teens, you know, can can have their moments. Oh, and adults, right? And adults. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I know it can be concerning as a parent to watch Mm -hmm. your child or teen go through a challenging moment and to not, we don't want to see them suffer or to watch them go through a really hard time. And so, um, you know, it's important for parents then to explore, like, what's my role then? And when my child or teen is feeling dysregulated, how can I help them through that? Totally. Um, Yes. Which I think goes perfectly to to the next question on the list. I know you named a couple (laughs) of the pieces already, but yeah. So, you know, when a parent is noticing this dysregulation or noticing that their kid is having a tough time processing and being in an emotion, what are some ways that they can support their kiddos through that dysregulation? Well, I really like to go back to a training that you and I both did. Yes, <laughs> so Dan, Dan Siegel's The Whole Brain Child, yes. I think, is a really great book that I I recommend to almost all parents that I work with, even some yes. teen parents, because I think totally. it has a really nice 
foundational approach to um, a, with dysregulation and supporting your child or teen through that. Um, and so I think, you know, what a phrase that I like to come back to from that book is an approach called naming and taming emotions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that process is helping label and helping your child recognize what feeling is coming up. So for a toddler, you know, if they're having a really big outburst, maybe something really difficult has happened and they're struggling to get through that moment. And so, oh my gosh, as a parent labeling, I feel, I know you are feeling so sad right now. I am here for you through that or through this moment. Um, And so I think that it's so powerful and so connecting to be able to name for your child what emotion might be coming up. And when your child feels heard and understood, I think then that's where we come to that taming piece, which is then kind of more of the problem solving, like what can we do next time or how can we fix this? How can I help you through that? Yes. And so important to write, like, look at this naming process, um, which I'm sure is like super, super important with younger kiddos, but certainly Mm -hmm. a skill that we can support our kids through, you know, even with our adult children, you know, for um, all of the ages of helping them to identify, like, what am I feeling? What is showing up for me right now? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a little easier than other times to notice, hey, what is happening there? Um, mm-hmm. and then right, mm-hmm. like naming and holding space for, and then yes, looking at like, okay, now what support do you need? Or, you know, what, what skills or different things can we add in there? And I think it's important to, to recognize that to completely try to avoid any challenges for your child or teen to, to go through. Cause mm-hmm. like I said before, in order to build that resiliency is kind of, you know, helping them through some areas of discomfort or challenges. Um, So I think it's, you know, to pay attention to what are your child's like triggers and what tends to lead to dysregulation too, Mm -hmm. um, I think is an important factor to look at and explore. Right. It gives, you know, both the parent as well as the child so much information of like, hey, what tends mm-hmm. to prompt these feelings for me? And it's okay yeah. to feel these feelings. And it's, a, it's kind of a practice for me to continue learning how to navigate these things. Mm-hmm. And that, that's okay, right? We don't have to avoid that discomfort and those big emotions. Um, in fact, that's a beautiful part of life is the, the wide variety of emotions <laughs> that we feel. Um they can sometimes be hard mm-hmm. to, to sit with for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to go back to the movie inside out where, yes. you know, where I like to point, <laughs> pointing out that all those emotions are necessary and how, yes. you know, that movie beautifully like gave oh. that a nice example of how, you know, sadness is important. Anger is important. Right. These are all messages your your child or feelings your child is experiencing. And so to yeah. be then someone who can help your child through those emotions. Because like in that movie, you know, mm-hmm. she, 
those other emotions are maybe the more difficult ones we tried to push away. And yes, oh, totally. I I think that movie is such a great depiction (laughs) of, right, like this very like human tendency to want to just sit with the like positive and joyful emotions, but Mm -hmm. how useful and informative and like it helps us communicate what we're needing when we hold space for those other emotions too. And so if you're out there listening and you're a parent kind of trying to help support your kiddo, or if you're an adult, like healing some of these inner child pieces, like watch inside out and, and look at it from the view of like, okay, like what, what might I need here in um, these emotions that might not always be so easy to, to hold. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good yeah. one. Great. <laughs> great therapist movie. <laughs> yes. I think it came out when you and I were both interns uh, doing our practicum yeah. and that was kind of perfect timing because it's like, oh yeah, here's this great tool. It was that we all can. the rage. It really was. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. And so, you know, some some great things that you identified there and in, in how parents can support their kiddos through dysregulation. And of course, one of those tools is also going to be going to therapy, right? Like getting support from someone like you who can help teach kiddos some of these things as well as parents, those things too. Mm-hmm. So from from your experience, what are some indicators or signs that parents can look out for in their kids that let them know like, oh, hey, we might, now might be a great time to add in therapy or this might be a good support for my child. Yeah, I would say, you know, and this is kind of a tough one because it all depends on, you know, what you know based off of your child's functioning. Um, And so I think it would be watching for some of those changes Mm -hmm. or um, moving away from uh, some of those, like, overall normal functioning that you know from your kiddo. and any like changes with their personality. Um, mm-hmm. If, for example, there have been a number of stressors that have been going on um, in their life, um, whether it's through school or at home or through other settings. Um, if you're noticing some increase, like withdrawing, maybe they aren't yeah. as connected with their peers or friends. Um, if there's an increase in some anxieties or daily worries, mm-hmm. or maybe even some resistance to doing their normal day-to-day activities. Right. Um, and I think a helpful way to maybe gauge or to maybe get some more input would be to talk with their teacher um, and yeah. see if there is something maybe the teacher is noticing or to even put on the teacher's radar um, can even maybe get them connected with their school counselor because I know that that is a resource a lot of schools are trying to provide. um, Yes, and what a great resource that is, right, during their school day and all of that stuff. Right. Um, And then you can even try – you know, make an appointment with their pediatrician or primary care physician to do some screenings. Mm-hmm. Um, so then a doctor or doctors and teachers will have really great referrals or resources outside 
of their setting. Um, so then they can point you in the right direction if there is possibly a need for therapy or another support. Um, and the, another, I think, important piece too is for parents to just trust your gut. Like if you feel yes. you <laughs> you know your child or teen best. And mm-hmm. um, I think if you're sensing or concerned, I, I think it's always great to, you know, put that out there to making an appointment with a therapist and um, kind of figuring out that gauge or kind of someone else's thoughts too. Yes, on that. totally. So, yeah. So really looking for like, yeah. Hey, any like changes and increased stressors mm-hmm. in different places. And I love, right. Utilizing those resources. So it might be talking with their teachers or talking with their doctor to kind of get that feel for mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I know one thing, you know, from, so I work primarily with adults and a lot of the adults that I work with are like healing some of their own child wounds and learning how to do all this stuff for themselves and really wanting to do, um, some really healthy modeling with their kiddos. And, you know, so one thing that I think, and I'm sure that you see a lot too, is, Hey, as a parent, if I am modeling, like checking in with my emotions and reaching out for support when I need it, I can also be having conversations with my kid about how they can do that. And so we can have this open conversation about like therapy is normal. Therapy is healthy. It's okay. At any point Mm -hmm. that you need it. Um, and sometimes it takes some time to get to that point, right? It, um, if therapy is right. brand new in your family system, that might be a big new step, um, mm-hmm. but a, a lovely step as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think coming back to that piece on how can parents support their kiddos when they're feeling dysregulated, yeah. um, it's important for parents to recognize their own levels of dysregulation. Mm-hmm. Um because in order to help your child through that, it's important to try to stay grounded. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. noticing if you're starting to feel anxious or frustrated or whatever emotion is coming yes. up. Because I think a parent having that awareness while their child is going through a tough moment can, you know, it, it can just help you find the skills to try to stay grounded in those moments because sometimes it can be tough. <laughs> oh my goodness, right? Like, understandably, like really big stuff can be coming up both for your kid and for you. It can bring up other things as the parent. Um, and so practicing yeah. that own work yourself, I'm sure is huge in that process too. Yeah. Yes. And a therapist can really help you find what, what skills work best for you and I really like working with parents and helping them like recognize their own triggers, Um, whether it's from like their own like wounds or parenting or their experiences from their parenting, or maybe they're having a stressful day at work, (laughs) you know? So um, I really like helping parents figure that piece out, but their yeah. own individual therapist too can help them find those skills right. as well. Yes. And such a lovely point to, to show like, Hey, if you're working on supporting these different pieces for your kid, 
doing them for yourself is going to be really helpful, not only, of course, for you as a person, but also as a parent. Um, And that might mean, Mm -hmm. yes, working with your kid's therapist or working with your own therapist on some of those skills, which is kind of a perfect segue to to my last question here. and, and so I think it's probably super normal for this perfectionism in parenting to show up even in the therapy space, right? I see this with adults mm-hmm. and I'm sure it shows up with parents of kids in therapy too, like wanting to do therapy right, um, wanting to get the most out of it and make it super effective, which is great goals. Um, and I can imagine sometimes mm-hmm. it makes it tough too. So how can parents best support their kids when they do go to therapy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question because that therapeutic relationship is so important, not only for the yes. kiddo, but I think for the parent as well. Right. Um, figuring out if it's a good fit, if um, the therapist um, specializes in a particular area that you're looking for for your child. Um, so I think an important piece, like as you're starting out or, um, you know, beginning that first appointment with a therapist is trying to establish a good connection or a working relationship with that therapist. Um, And, you know, being open to feedback and, you know, ways to make changes. Um, I know that that can feel really scary or vulnerable sometimes of being willing to show up and say, I'm not sure, or I feel like I'm making a mistake, or I don't have all the answers here. (laughs) And and so at least in my approach, um, I really like to have a very collaborative relationship with parents um, and to be, yeah, getting feedback as well on my end, um, you know, and having parent sessions where, um, the parent also feels supported in right. the goals that their child is working on. So, yes. Oh, and yeah, I think so huge to notice that, that good therapist, like the, the relationship fit is not just going to be with mm-hmm. the therapist and the kid. Of course, that's going to be important, but also mm-hmm. that the parent can feel supported in that too. Um, Mm-hmm. And yes, as, as we're, so we are recording this a couple weeks before this podcast will be released, but the episode that is released on my podcast today is all about like how to find that good fit in the therapeutic relationship. So if you're listening and you're like, okay, I want to start like looking for a therapist for my kid or for myself, and you've got questions on how to even start that process or what to look for. You might want to also mm-hmm. listen to the episode before because that um, I'm sure will be, you know, pretty applicable to finding that good fit. But yes, like, hey, wanting to make sure I find someone that my kid feels really comfortable with. But then I can also feel comfortable with as a parent to ask questions and get support um, so that there's mm-hmm. an alliance between parents, therapist and kid um, in that, too. Mm-hmm. I would say another piece that I notice comes up or make sure that I communicate with parents as well as like yeah. what that confidentiality piece looks like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, just because that is an important piece with, you know, your child or teen having a safe space to right. talk about or 
um, bring what they want to to the session. You know, of course, I like to get some feedback from parents as to what were some struggles or what have been some things that have gone well. I like to hear, you know, both of those pieces. Um, And so I, I think it's keeping in mind, like, what does that care coordination or communication look like for your child or teen? Because it kind of goes based off of, or at least in my approach, like the, the age of the child or teen um, will reflect how much like parents, support I usually give um so you know for like really young kiddos that I work with there's lots of you know collaborating with parents um whereas my older teens maybe you know check in once in a while and so I I think being really open and transparent about what does that look like and um and doing that work and also respecting your child or teen's confidentiality as well. Right. Yes. And totally, because that's going to make it feel like a safer space for your kid to actually process that work, right? Like most 16-year-olds don't want mom and dad to know everything that they're talking about in therapy. So if there is this trust with confidentiality, then they're actually going to use their therapy and talk about the tough pieces, Um, And yeah, I think it kind of circles back to what you were stating earlier, just in terms of um, how we can process emotions and dysregulation throughout our development. Of course, with a younger kiddo, parents are going to be, um, you know, closer part of that process because they're probably going to have to be practicing those things with the kids at home versus, right, someone who's 15, 16, 17, they're going to be able to practice more of those skills on their own because that's just healthy for their development. Of course, yes, they can still ask parents for support and all of that, um, but they might have some more skills to be able to do that, you know, just, just with their therapist versus having to have mom and dad involved in every single step. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when in doubt, ask for a parent session, you know, I always, when, when a parent reaches out to me, I'm like, yeah, we can for sure do a parent session and, you know, and it can be, you know, just asking for resources. Your therapist will probably be able to provide some um, parenting books or some skills to practice that align with your child or teen's therapeutic goals. And that can be done without breaking confidentiality or the therapeutic relationship with your child. So Yes. Oh, what a great note on like how you can ask your kids therapist for support while you're also trying to maintain your kids confidentiality, right? Like ask for those resources Mm -hmm. or ask for what you can be doing as a parent um, because that doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily require you to know everything about what your kid's talking about in session um, if they're a little bit older, right? Yeah. And that can be also, you know, a foot in the door if, hey, if you're really liking these parent sessions and if you'd like more support, what a great opportunity to maybe explore that with a therapist of your own and um, look for that support for yourself as well. And so, yeah. Yes. And I think that's such a lovely, like, window into like normalizing therapy within the family system, right? Sometimes that right. does start with, you know, the the kid or teen in a family and it can be kind of this window to be like, oh, wait, like 
maybe therapy can be beneficial for other people in our family too. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing mm-hmm. as a society, therapy is becoming a lot more normalized and it's right. not just for like when things are super, super intense, but it's actually, oh, hey, this is a great place for me to process what's coming up and going on. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, personally, and I'm, I'm, I know that you agree because we talk about this all the time, but right, I feel like <laughs> anyone can benefit from therapy and it's just... Right such a great tool we might be biased because we're therapists but I think, <laughs> I think it's a good point either way <laughs> right see all the good it can help with and it's yes. it's so great too and I I really like the other point you made as well of you know in order to support support your child in therapy is to model the skills as well I think right. that normalizes the process and it reinforces that hey you're doing really cool stuff in therapy and oh my god or even allowing your child or teen to be the teacher of the skills oh, I love um, that. <laughs> um so then not only is that helping them practice the skills but it shows that you're interested in what they're learning and how they're yes. developing new skills um i would say too just continuing to reinforce like you know how proud of them you are as their parent for going to therapy and can sometimes be tough work um and to show up and be vulnerable and um for them to be practicing these skills so yeah I think that that showing that recognition that (laughs) that's huge right I think sometimes it seems like such a small thing but sometimes the best thing we can do to support any kind of change is just reinforcing the work that goes behind it um Mm -hmm. right as a parent if you're showing your kid that you value them going to therapy and you're helping them build confidence in the work that they're doing that's going to be huge um Mm -hmm. and I think that's a really really great point to add in there too yeah and you know another beautiful thing with the therapy process and showing up to appointments is I really love hearing when a parent and their child or teen almost create like a ritual around coming to their therapy appointment. (laughs) And sometimes, you know, they'll kind of get to spend some one-on-one time together. It's really a nice opportunity to connect um, either before or after the session. Oh, um, sure. I bet that, yeah, can make it like this, this fun thing that is supported, right? Like I know, like some, I work with more couples than kids, but right with couples, mm-hmm. like sometimes they'll go on a dinner date after or something. And I think that's a really great right. thing to add in if you're bringing your kid to therapy, right? Like doing something fun together, some quality time around it yeah, um, can be a really nice reinforcer for that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just to put some ideas is how you can kind of get creative with attending yeah. the appointment or even if it's virtual too, you can totally. find things to you do at home. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, lovely. Well, before we kind of start wrapping up, Bridget, is there anything else that you wanted to add um, or throw in there just about 
perfectionism in parenting. I know we talked about a lot of things, but wanted to see if there's anything that you didn't get to say that you wanted to say. I think just, you know, the fact that parents are willing to show up to therapy and support their child, you know, it maybe can feel a little scary wondering, is my child talking about me? <laughs> Am I a bad parent? Yes. Oh, my um, yes. oh my goodness. Yeah. So, you know, that willingness to give your child or teen that space, I think is mm -hmm. so amazing and, and wonderful. And that, yeah, and I really um, respect and honor parents who are willing to do that. And yes. I think it's so great to see that they're wanting to give their child or teen that opportunity. So that would kind of be my last. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I think just really normalizes like it. I'm sure it is really hard bringing your kid to therapy, especially if, um, right, if if it you realize like, oh, my kid might be talking about things that I'm not doing perfectly, and and so that can make it really tough. Um, but that's normal, and right. you know, I I won't speak for you, but I'm gonna guess that you'll kind of agree with this. Is like, as therapists, we are not like judging you or thinking that you are a horrible parent for being imperfect. We know you're human, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> totally, totally. Oh well, thank you so much for joining and sharing all this great information. I think, um, of course, I think it's gonna be really useful for parents who have kiddos and maybe struggling with some of their own perfectionism in parenting. Um, and I think this could also be an episode that might feel useful if you are an adult and healing some inner child wounds, just to kind of hear some of these pieces um, for yourself is nice too. So thank you so much, Bridget, for joining and being my little first guest, <laughs> testing out these things <laughs> with me. Um, it's been lovely. Thank you. It's been an honor. And I, yeah, had a really great time. And it was a really fun first time for me as well doing a podcast. So a new adventure for me as well. <laughs> yes, new things, new things. Well, I will nice. put your website and social media links in um, the kind of description of the podcast. But do you want to just kind of sign off by sharing how people can reach you or find you. Yeah, you can go ahead and go to my website. It's www.growandthrivetherapymn.com. That's the name of my practice. Or you can find me on Instagram at Grow and Thrive Therapy, where I post some resources, some skills to practice, and also a way to contact me if you're interested in starting up with me so yay yes Bridget has some <laughs> really awesome stuff on her social media that you can check out and yes if you are in Minnesota and you are looking for a therapist Bridget's a great a great one to go to so you can find her info again I will link it in the description below so you can have some easy clickable links there yes wonderful well we will sign off there thank you again Bridget Thank you, Kayla. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If I referenced any links in this episode, you can find them below in the show notes. 
If you like the Ground and Grow podcast, I would greatly appreciate a rate and review from wherever you're listening so that others can find us too. If you'd like to be the first to know when new episodes are coming out, you can subscribe as well as follow me on Instagram at Kayla Estenson Wellness for all updates. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.